Welcome to Coffee Up by Market Lane Coffee, a podcast for our growing community of like-minded businesses who want to serve delicious, sustainable, and ethically sourced coffees. My name is Christian. In this series, we'll be covering the countries of origin from which we source our coffee. Market Lane's goal in every country is to build long-standing and equitable relationships with dedicated coffee producers who share our values and obsession with quality. Together with our sister company, Melbourne Coffee Merchants, our coffee buying team lay the foundations in establishing and maintaining these relationships. In today's episode, Tyson sits down with Fleur, who is the founder of Melbourne Coffee Merchants, as well as one of the founders of Market Lane Coffee. If that wasn't enough, Fleur also still heads up the coffee buying in Guatemala, and today she shares her experiences with us. Guatemala is known for its very distinct coffee regions, microclimates, and incredibly complex and floral coffees. Together, they'll cover the landscape of Guatemalan coffee, the regions which we source from, and the stories of the people we partner with and who produce the coffees we love. So, Fleur, when did Market Lane first visit Guatemala? So, we first visited Guatemala in 2011. I went with Jason and we were there for the Cup of Excellence competition. The Cup of Excellence is uh, a quality competition where farmers are invited to submit their best coffees and they're judged by a national jury and then an international jury and Jason and I were both on the international jury and it was an amazing experience. It was the first time I'd been part of the Cup of Excellence judging process. It exposed us to lots of different coffees from all over the country. Definitely from that experience I began to appreciate the regional differences that existed across Guatemala and how distinct um, each coffee could be from, from different regions. So given the current situation that we, let alone, I guess, all coffee importers and roasters find ourselves in, we haven't been able to visit Guatemala or let alone any country that we buy coffee from for some time now. What are some of the things that you're most looking forward to doing when you get back to Guatemala? So I was meant to be in Guatemala in March 2020. The last time I was there was in 2019. Um, and in March 2020, I think I cancelled my flight on the day. I, think I remember that. It was just, yeah. Uh, yeah, like so touch and go. Wasn't oh, it? it was devastating. Yeah. Somebody was getting married as well. It was a wedding. There was a wedding, yeah, yeah um, that we were invited to of um, Ricardo's daughter, which would have been incredible. Yeah, things was just starting to come, get a bit hairy with COVID. So um, cancelled at last minute. But I'm really glad we did because the borders in Guatemala closed. I think a couple of days later. So oh, wow. Stuck. Yeah. Wild times. <laughs> um, yeah. Definitely uh, miss the people there. Mm. So going back would definitely be about just reconnecting um, with the producers that we work with. We've been lucky to work with many of the producers in Guatemala since we opened our doors at Market Lane. We know the families and we know their mm. children. Um, we spend time with them in their homes. So just going back to reconnect and see each other in person we're so lucky that the relationships are so strong. Yeah. So it, it makes communicating and working at arm's length possible, mm. um, but definitely miss that personal connection. Yeah, it'll be so nice when we're able to get back there. Uh, my next question isn't actually coffee related, but uh, are there any particular regional dishes, cocktails, any food and drink that uh, is particularly memorable and distinct that you uh, enjoyed <laughs> while in Guatemala? Um, they have a really nice rum um, that we often drink um, called 
the cuppa. I don't know why, but we, <laughs> it's all about drinking, but we often um, have margaritas while we're there, which always tastes really good. Jason's vegetarian and we typically eat veggie food while we're there. So we eat a lot of beans and tacos and legumes. There's some beautiful pupusas that we often get if we get across the border to El Salvador. But yeah, we're always very well looked after. And in particular, I always have very fond memories of sitting at Ricardo's dining table and enjoying lunch with him. That sounds so lovely. So now you and I are quite familiar with how uh, Guatemalan coffee tastes, and I'm sure that most of our customers who are listening would also be familiar. But let's say hypothetically, if you're working in one of your shops and a customer comes up to you and they haven't tried coffee from Guatemala before, how would you describe what a great Guatemalan coffee tastes like? It does vary quite a bit from the region that it's sourced from, and there's very kind of distinct characteristics that you would experience from different parts of Guatemala. But generally, I would describe them as coffees that have a really nice kind of big body, usually quite a bright acidity. Things like red apple, dark chocolate, brown sugar come to mind when I, mm. when I think of a really good quality um, Guatemalan. But there are coffees that really surprise you and, and are quite distinct and maybe don't even taste like a Guatemalan coffee. So for me, Santa Isabel is one of those coffees that is quite tropical, is very fruit driven and is almost Kenyan-like. Mm. Some of the coffees from Tenango in the northwest um, are incredibly floral and more delicate. So it can vary quite a lot. But yeah, certainly um, there's a lot of coffees that we source like Santa Clara or La Soledad that have that beautiful red apple acidity and dark chocolate character. In an earlier podcast, Jason spoke a little bit about Anna Cafe, Guatemala's National Coffee Institute. What can you tell us about Anna Cafe and uh, what has the organisation been able to do for coffee producers throughout Guatemala? Yeah, so Anna Cafe is um, a not-for-profit organisation. It supports all coffee farmers in Guatemala. There's about 125,000 producers in Guatemala that range from tiny, um, small farms to much larger estates. One of the things that we find so impressive about this organisation is that it seems to be very open, very transparent, definitely has the interests of the producers at their heart. Um, and they provide amazing services to the coffee producers. So they provide things like technical assistance and education. They invest very heavily in research. They advocate for infrastructure improvements across the country mm. and they provide lots of extension services. So things like they might do like soil, water and leaf analysis. So a producer can send in their soil or send in their leaves to be analysed and then Anna Cafe will tell them what they should be doing to improve their nutrition or their fertilisation. They also provide cupping and sensory analysis so the producers can send in their green coffee, it'll be roasted and then evaluated and they'll get a score and that will help inform the producer what potential price they could be getting for that particular coffee and appreciate the quality that they've got. Mm. They also work to market Guatemalan coffees nationally and also internationally and um, kind of create a brand for Guatemalan coffees. Yeah, so on that note with regards to some of the efforts that Anna Cafe are going to to market Guatemalan coffees, we know they've put a lot of work into establishing Guatemala's eight unique growing regions and uh, assigning each of these regions a corresponding flavour profile. Why is it important to acknowledge these regions individually as opposed to lumping them together as Guatemalan coffees? I think one of the things that's so unique about Guatemala is that there are these really distinct regional differences in the taste profiles. And what Anna Cafe has recognised is that they can create 
kind of sub-brands and sub-identities for the coffees from these different regions and market them in that way. One of the regions that they've identified is Huayhuay Tenango, which is a region I mentioned before. The coffees there um, are grown at incredibly high altitudes. It's actually one of the few areas in Guatemala where there isn't volcanic soil, but um, what's very unique about it is they've got these um, winds that come through which create a certain climate which allows coffee to thrive at altitudes where it normally wouldn't be able to thrive and that produces an incredibly floral complex very distinctive coffee and often when you're cupping a heap of Guatemalans on a table a Huawei Tenango coffee will stand out for for its floral characteristics and that's really distinct and unique and exciting I think in the same way that in France they have very specific regions where particular cheeses or wines can be um, marketed in a particular way from those particular regions. That's what Anna Cafe have sought to do in Guatemala. We buy a lot of coffee from Antigua and that region has a denomination of origin, um, which means only coffees that have been produced there can get a certain seal saying that it's a genuine Antigua coffee and then be marketed as an Antiguan coffee and celebrated for being from that region. Great. So we've touched on Antigua and Huehuetenango. Are there any other regions that Market Lane buy a lot of coffee from in Guatemala? Yeah, um, for Market Lane, the main other region is Caban, and that's where our Santa Isabel um, coffee comes from. Caban is quite a unique growing region. It's known for its lush rainforest. It's got a very cool and very wet climate. I think it rains for something like 10 months of the year, um, which makes producing coffee quite challenging, especially in the kind of drying of it. And it requires a lot of care to produce fantastic coffees, but it it produces an exceptional coffee like um, Santa Isabel, thanks in part to the fact that the coffee cherries mature over a very extended and long period of time. Um, And that means that there's more sugars that can develop and results in a more complex flavor profile. So it sounds like the environment and the region where a coffee is grown in Guatemala has a pretty big impact on how it tastes. But looking now towards the variety and the processing, are there any particular varieties or processing methods that are quite common throughout Guatemala? Um, Yeah, so the most common processing is washed coffee. They have an abundant supply of water in most areas of Guatemala. So um, most coffees um, that we source out of Guatemala are washed. Some producers will experiment with natural or honey processed coffees, but the majority of coffee that's coming out is definitely washed. In terms of variety, I think the main variety would be Keturah. Um, But again, a lot of the producers that we work with are starting to experiment with different varieties that might produce a better cup profile or might be more leaf leaf rust resistant or um, more robust. So we're starting to see a a lot of different varieties coming out of Guatemala. Yeah, I guess one of these different varieties that immediately comes to mind is the Pacamara variety. But speaking back to processing, one micro lot we purchased uh, a few years ago, which was really quite well, well received all around, was a naturally processed micro lot from Santa Clara. We ran this coffee as an espresso. Uh, And yeah, people really liked it, but it was noted that this coffee was uh, quite a bit more expensive than most of the other coffees that we'd purchased from Guatemala. Why would the naturally processed microlot be so much more expensive? I think definitely the labour costs associated with it. So Ricardo is a very progressive producer. He's got quite a large estate 
and he owns his own wet mill and dry mill. The vast majority of the coffee that he processes is washed and then he picks particular lots either by variety or by day and puts them aside for a particular um, processing method. So something like the natural, he'd send out special pickers who are highly trained and get them to pick the very ripest cherries. Um, They would be separated, cleaned, and then put on raised beds in his warehouse, which has very limited, um, sorry, greenhouse, which has very limited space, um, and be um, turned by hand every day. Um, So there's just a lot of labour in looking after quite a small lot. You don't have the same scale of production Mm. that you do with with the larger washed lines. And so it means you can get a significant price premium for that lot which reflects the quality, but also the extra care and labour that's gone into producing it. So my next question was to ask you a little bit more about some of the people that we buy coffee from in Guatemala. And you've touched on a few of these people already, but let's kick things off with Ricardo Zelaya. Who is Ricardo? (laughs) Um, So Ricardo is a, I think, fourth generation coffee producer. He owns Santa Clara. He also owns San Agustin and Porto Verde, which are all farms that we've featured at Market Lane over the years. Uh, Santa Clara has been a staple in our blend literally since we opened our doors in 2009 and we've worked with Ricardo every year. He's visited Australia with his wife, which was amazing. It was incredible bringing him into the shops and people knowing who he was, knowing his farm and feeling really connected to it and to him because we'd been telling his story for for so many years. He's got three daughters, two of them are um, working with him on the farm, which is really exciting. They have a um, scholarship fund for their children, which we've been um, actively part of. So the children of the workers that work for Santa Clara, they have a fund to support them through school. And Market Lane's been a supporter of that for many years as well. I think the thing we love most about Ricardo is just his professionalism and care for his team. It's very evident when we visit him how much respect um, he has within his community of, of workers that, that work for him. Um, he puts the same amount of care into producing the coffee as he does into nurturing a really positive culture on the farm, which is really special. And uh, I believe we also buy a fair bit of coffee from one of Ricardo's closest neighbours. Um, yeah, Ronnie. Um, so Ronnie, we... I think first met in 2011 when we visited Guatemala. At the time, he ha- all of his coffee was contracted, so we couldn't buy his coffee. So we pestered him for many <laughs> years. I think we started buying from him off the top of my head in around 2015. Um, his farm is called La Soledad. Um, he owns it with his wife, um, Lucia. And Lucia is actually Ricardo's sister. So mm. Santa Clara was divided up amongst several family members. And so Santa Clara and La Soledad literally sit side by side. One of the things we love about Ronnie is he's uh, incredibly meticulous. He's a perfectionist when it comes to producing coffee. He takes a huge amount of care in the way that he he harvests the coffee and looks after the plantation. So La Soledad for us is a very consistent coffee and it, it's a, a really solid coffee that we always feature in our seasonal blend every single year for that, for that reason. Yeah, no doubt these are two coffees that I'm sure a lot of our customers are going to be quite familiar with, Santa Clara and La Soledad from Antigua. But now looking over to Weiwei Chenango, who are some of the people that we buy coffee from in Weiwei? Um, so the main 
coffee farm that we work with there is La Maravilla. Um, we first bought coffee from La Maravilla through the Cup of Excellence program. So mm. it was a coffee that we loved and tasted. It won a prize in the Cup of Excellence and we bought um, one of the lots to bring back to Australia. And we fell in love with the coffee then. And then we've had it pretty much every year since. So I think that was first in around 2013, off the top of my head. That's owned by a gentleman called Mauricio Rosales. Very gentle soul, cares a lot, again, about his farm. Very focused on doing micro lots and producing lots of small lots really, really well into a really high standard. He's got different plots on his farm and he processes the coffee from those different plots individually and then tastes them and scores them. He works very closely with our export partner there, a gentleman called Eduardo Ambrasio, who used to work for Anna Cafe as the head of quality control. And Eduardo's worked very closely with Mauricio over the last few years to help him market his coffees and also um, improve quality. So they have a very close working relationship as well. Okay, so we've spoken about some of the people we work with in Antigua, as well as where we're in um, I believe the other region that we buy a fair bit of coffee from in Guatemala is Coban. Who do we work with in Coban? Yeah, that's Santa Isabel. One of our favourite coffees every year. It's really distinctive. We actually have started getting two lots from Santa Isabel. One is called Las Flores and it's the most floral um, and distinct coffee that's coming out of Santa Isabel. Luis Valdez, or Wicho as, as he's more affectionately known, picks the most fruit forward and floral coffees to produce this particular lot. And that, that's the coffee that we'll be featuring for our filter coffee. Very distinctive, doesn't taste like a Guatemalan yeah. coffee. Um, yeah, as I said, very tropical and very floral, but incredibly special. And I believe this year we'll also have um, another lot from Santa Isabel, which will be for a single espresso. It's exactly the same farm from the same plot, but um, it's just the, the larger um, line that comes out of there. Both are really distinctive and fruit forward and kind of perfect for their different applications of brewing. Yeah, wow. It sounds like uh, Guatemala definitely has a lot to offer um, and a lot of diversity among the different regions. In wrapping up, what do you think sets Guatemala apart from other coffee producing regions? And uh, yeah, why is Guatemalan coffee so special? I think uh, for many producers and particularly the producers that we work with in Guatemala, coffee for them is way more than just a cash crop. It's something that's a great source of pride. It's often something that's been passed down from generation to generation. There's a lot of, lot of knowledge sharing that's happened through generations and one generation will own a farm and then they'll pass it down to their children who will take over. Um, and I think that's what... Um, makes it so special because it is a very personal um, investment in producing something that is really special. It's wonderful working with people who care so much. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Coffee Up. In our next episode, we'll be catching up with Jason to talk about Colombia. If you like what you've been listening to, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thanks again, and we look forward to catching up with you for a coffee soon.